the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the lake of fire, the second death. These are images that flooded my adolescent mind alongside real-life stories of pastors in Soviet prisons and mental institutions. This was all alongside the ever-present possibility of a nuclear holocaust. Fast forward to today, we have Russian hackers, disinformation campaigns, fake news, conspiracy theories, and to top it all, a global pandemic. Surely, the stage is set. I'm Paul White, and this is Apocalypse, the Book of Revelation. Join me and my special guest and friend Pete Milner as we explore what God might be saying through this incredible book to us today. Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White, and my great friend Pete Milner. Hi everybody, great to be here. And we are coming towards the end now of this phenomenal book, the book of Revelation, John's Apocalypse, yeah. and uh, we're on chapter 21 today. So Lord, help us today as we look at this incredible chapter, and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, inspire us, ignite our hearts in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So, Revelation 21, I shall read. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Oh, doesn't that want to make you want to do a hallelujah chorus? Oh, of your my, own? it is beautiful, isn't it? And it's it just has this sense that, like, as we open this chapter, it's like a whole fresh, a whole new world, literally. Mm. And we're looking at this new vista, this yeah. new thing that God has done. Yes, and I love this uh, idea that the the holy city, the New Jerusalem, is a thing really that God has done and it's coming down from mm, where he is becoming it's a heavenly gift isn't it yeah and he's bringing it down yes and and it's the answer to all the needs that have been showing up in the bible all this time mm -hmm. isn't it because you know when we're introduced to humanity and God and their little relationship you see God dwelling on the earth and walking around with them and being God and there yeah. as people and, and there's just no shame and no nakedness and no dying and no nothing and that sort of eden yeah thing is I, I think it's so important for me that we're not just going back to sure. that but we're going forwards to a, a kind of ultra ultra version of it where it's like even more fully 
even more true, even more completely, the lack and absence of evil, you know, the, the complete um, end of all kind of aspects of mortality and pain and sorrow. Yeah. And it's like, at the end of last session, we were saying, you know, maybe in this great white throne judgment, you know, there's room for some regret. Yeah. It's like, there's no room for that now, is there? Finally. No, the scene has changed. Mm. And the, t- the crying and tears and pain have all subsided. That's yes. all gone. And that's not happening anymore. They're just part of the whole thing. Because whatever regret that may have been felt has been swallowed up in this glorious mm. new um, experience of God. But I, I, I was just, just thinking back to your Eden reference, Pete. Mm. Um, if you think of Adam and Eve... These newly created human beings enjoying themselves, enjoying God, enjoying each other, enjoying the landscape, the garden, everything else in all its freshness and newness. Mm. They knew nothing really of the nature of God. And yet throughout the course of history with its grinding difficulties and its glorious joys Mm. and victories and season changes we we understand and if we look at look back on the scripture we we now from the vantage point of revelation we have this understanding of god mm. this understanding of jesus this understanding of redemption him yeah buying us back out of the grip and traction of mm. sin to call us by his own name, to adopt us into his family. Yes. He's not just the creator who made us, but he's a lover who's pursued us. He's and a... finally won us, hasn't he? Yeah. It's like the finally this is... I, I don't think it's wrong to invite, invoke the image of consummation because mm-hmm. it's like literally the promise has been made, the ceremony is is over, and now we get to enjoy the actual experience of the thing yeah. that we've been living in hope for all this time yeah you know the faith and the hope and the love we've needed to get us over the finish line are finally realized permanently yeah and that's what's so lovely about it isn't it like all those heart cries from the Glorious. bronze age shepherds and the kind of yeah. roman era apostles in mm-hmm. every sort of phase of the church globally from then until today and on into the future Every one of them is is cult. It's sort of, I don't know even the word. It, it's fulfilled, isn't it? Yes, it's total fulfillment. And I love God has promised. I love this. What we would describe as covenantal language in verse three, where he says, mm. "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man." So this divide yeah. that we perceive at the moment, even though we have the Spirit of God in yeah. us, and even though Jesus did come and does come to yeah. be here with us and to be Emmanuel. Do you know, interestingly, that word there for dwelling place is mm. tabernacle. Oh, that's The lovely. tabernacle of God. The same word John uses when he says the word became flesh and, and tabernacled. tabernacled among us, dwelt among us. It's like Tented. pitched his tent. God is now pitched his tent mm. with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And this is the kind of language of covenant going mm. right back into the Old Testament, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Genesis and yeah. Exodus the, and all of it, isn't it? And that now it's happened. Mm. So instead of Jacob's ladder with the angels going up and down, it's all, yeah. it's all on it's one all plane. It's all in now. one thing now, yeah. And that's that's why it kind of needs a new heaven and a new earth, isn't it? Because this created order that we're in now, it's like, scientifically speaking and you know we're, we're talking about a rock zooming around in space aren't we but 
this is the realization of everything the earth truly is always going to be the the dwelling mm-hmm. place of god and people together with the divide completely healed not just you know there's no longer just a bridge across the divide where you can travel if you believe in jesus but the divide is gone and everybody mm. on the other side is now there forever aren't they incredible so then he says verse five and he who was seated on the throne said behold i am making all things new also he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true and he said to me it is done i am the alpha and the omega Mm. the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without mm-hmm. payment. Mm. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, Paul, have you ever heard the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin? Uh-huh. Right. So I, I don't think of that as being a strictly speaking biblical idea. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is a difference between saying that I have committed a sin or yeah. some sin. And there's, that's on the one hand. And the other, that my life is characterized by yeah. sin and sinfulness. And I think... You know, you you might look at this list of horrible things like cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexual immorality. You think, golly, who on earth, literally who on earth, could be guiltless on such a list? You Mm. think, well, we've all perpetrated at least one or two of these mayhems in the world, right? Yes. So are we saying that nobody gets that? Well, of course we're not, are we? But there is a way that we can live our life where we are sometimes still sinning and Mm -hmm. anyone that says they don't sin is lying and doesn't live by the truth that's what john tells us in his first letter so i think that what we should see when we see this list is we're not like counting up individual sins like Mm -hmm. i go into the cowardly and the sexually immoral and the sorcerer category and you go into the murderer and whatever else no these are the people who have decided in their hearts to be characterized by this behavior to to be fiend by it in mm-hmm. that way, to have their life built and set yeah. upon it. You know, people who've pursued these things instead of saying yes to Jesus. And yeah. so it's, it's not like if you've committed any of those, there's no place for you in heaven, but it's that there is a way of characterizing your life where you've loved your sin instead of God. Yes, no, I think that's right. You've, you've kind of become identified with that particular mm. action. It's no longer an action. It's a way of life. It defines your yeah nature and i think that the same thing is true of the lists where you see lists of really good things Mm -hmm. like there's a famous one in proverbs 31 isn't there of the woman of great repute who doesn't seem to have any time to breathe or eat (laughs) because she's (laughs) just so busy all the time but we're right to recognize that as a snapshot of her life rather than her average tuesday yeah i think yeah and so when the lists come and they say you know for hope, peace and love and joy and faithfulness and goodness and gentleness and stuff. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, barely a minute goes by when one of those stops being true in my life. It, it's like, this is what our life should look like in, mm-hmm. in you know, 3D. Yeah. Rather than, you know, if I've done any of these things, I'm in or out of the list. Helpful. Yeah. So verse 9, 
Uh, well, no, let's just comment on verse 5 in a right. second because this is now God himself speaking directly. So we've had a lot of commentary from angels. We've had a lot of interpretation and sort of John's take on what he sees. But mm. now we're having this these direct comments that are coming from the one seated on the throne. And he says, yeah. behold, I am making all things new. Yes. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. He's He's like using that name I am in his kind of statements mm. about himself, which we know from the time with Moses, that was the name God revealed himself yeah. to, um, that we now refer to as Yahweh. Yeah. And he's like saying, this is me, I'm God, I've done this thing. Well, keep going, sorry, then I'll catch you yeah. on one bit there. And he's saying, this is the, everything now mm. is changed and I've done it. This is my initiative, my action. Yes. Clearly, clearly, absolutely, it's it's his initiative and his doing and his completion, his fulfillment for the glory of God. But I'd love to pick you up on just this one thing. He doesn't say, I have done it. Neither does he say, I will do it. No. What he says is, I am doing it. Mm -hmm. I am making all things new in the present and continuous tense, if you like. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe that this is going to happen in the future at the end of all kind of history and, and life yes, as we know it you know I, yeah. I think of all things in revelation this is a a future literal hope that i have that yes, I, it's yeah. clear as daylight yeah but it is interesting that he does say it in the present i am doing this yeah. i am making all things new i do this this is what i do this is what i am it's it's always happening in a way and you know while we get to taste the foreshadowing of it every time we see you know, the spirit of God at work. Every time we get to experience somebody coming to Christ for the first time and being delivered from evil and all the rest of it, we, we join in the sort of total celebration of this day that will come when it will all be made right. Yes. And we'll get to see the consummation of the thing that we've been promised, right? Mm. So I really think that, that the fact that that reaches to today is such an important so one. Cool. Because if it's only in the future, behold, I will do this yeah. a long way away from now. But by the way, life's going to stink in the meantime. Oh, that, that, I couldn't possibly bear it, I yeah. think. But I do it. I am. I do these things in there's the present. An, there's a great verse in Hebrews where he talks about those who have tasted of the power of the age to come. Yeah, yeah. And it's that thing we were talking about in a previous session about the kingdom hmm. reality, the reality of God's kingdom. Yeah. Really here and now we are engaged in this thing, now, which yeah. finds its culmination in this chapter. Yeah. But we're engaged in it now. Hmm. Like you say, every time someone is one for Jesus, every time somebody bows a knee before him, it's hmm. like he's making things new. It's a brand new Yes. process every time and that's not to deny the final fulfillment sure, of it absolutely and i love that i think <clears throat> people have been quite good in recent years of talking about how to look at things like the kingdom and the fulfillment of the promise mm -hmm. and they talk about you might have heard this phrase the now and the not yeah. yet yeah the kind of inaugurated kingdom which yeah. is here which is sort of subject to the rule of christ in all nations hallelujah forever mm -hmm. and yet is also not yet is not quite finished there's yeah. still a, a final phase of it where this stuff will be true absolutely and for all time that that we have yet to see mm. so there is a now and there is a not yet i think that's yes that's right for us to see that. that's good well i mean there's a lot more we could <laughs> comment on that isn't there mm. 
Verse 9, then, one of, then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last, the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Mm. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Mm. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and the gates at the gates, 12 angels and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates and on the west three gates and the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Do you... <laughs> can you imagine being... If this is the Apostle John, son of Zebedee, Boanerges, yeah. can you imagine seeing your own name on one of those foundations? Yeah, like, stoked, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, man. that what, a, what an idea. And, golly, so I remember someone telling me in all seriousness, that NASA scientists had seen Uh-oh. a a quadratic kind of shaped thing approaching Earth from way out in space, and it was literally coming down, but it was all being covered up, and it was going to come soon. And you know, we'd see this city literally descend wow. on the Earth. And this guy was an older gentleman. He was a lovely guy. He tracked a long time living a life of faithfulness and honesty Mm -hmm. and and integrity. But he had been deceived by somebody who told him this. And I was like, no, they haven't. No way. (laughs) This is not true. And, you know, he was absolutely convinced that this was imminent. And, and, you know, within the next few years, it will be, you know, we'll all be able to see it from in the sky, you know, at night. And it will come down to the earth. And he was convinced. And someone had just made it up and you know these things just trickle through the church and it's like i've, I've heard people speak such rot before because of their need for this to be right. tr- to be true in the way that they understand it and somebody will just say something like oh yeah the nasa scientists have seen this happen and it's like well on whose authority yeah. is this original rumor how are we going to track this down oh we have to yeah. be so careful don't we but so um this is something that god has done Yes. And it's something outstanding and beautiful. Mm-hmm. He, now I, I just like to wing us back to a reference you made back from Galatians mm. um, chapter four, where it talks about the Jerusalem that is above. Yeah. And she that's our pure. mother. She is she's our mother. She's free. Yes. And it makes a, Paul, the apostle in writing that mm. is actually making a comparison between Hagar and Sarah, the That's wives right. of Abraham. One is subject to one's slavery. One's a slave. And one is free. And one is free. Yeah. The Jerusalem and he's saying the below. Jerusalem that is on the earth now is actually a slave with all her children. Yeah, subject but to... But the one bondage. that is above is free. Yes. And this is the, the... It would seem to me that Paul had some insight into this whole mm. thing. And now the Apostle John is seeing it as well from a different viewpoint. Um, and is saying this is something that God has done. It's And it's coming down out of heaven from God. So it's from where God is mm. and dwells 
he's making this thing visible and evident on the earth and it has the glory of god it's and i love what john says in um when he records the prayer of jesus in in john 17 he yeah. jesus says the glory that you gave me i have given to them and he says like you gave me glory father and i've given that glory mm. to my disciples and then we see this city which obviously yes. represents the collective people of god yeah the sort of fullness of of god's people yeah and yet it's got the glory of god mm. it shines with the glory it's of god characterized by his nature isn't and it's it? got the radiance of him mm. yeah I, I think it's just so beautiful i mean the first time you see it in the bible the idea that there's a heavenly kind of um type or, or pattern which the earthly pattern sort of mirrors or copies or imitates mm -hmm. is there's this bit at the end of ezekiel where he sees a sort of heavenly temple and a heavenly place you know a heavenly altar and a heavenly wall and a heavenly kind of um temple mount and he sort of lived in the time where the earthly one was was cut down and destroyed mm -hmm. and it was it was you know the the community of jewish people who lived in that time they were the ones that sort of recommenced the idea let's rebuild it according to the pattern let's kind of make ezekiel's vision come true mm -hmm. but john of patmos is saying look don't put your trust in the earthly temple the earthly jerusalem the earthly land because what we're after is a heavenly jerusalem a a pure vision of of god's complete fullness and his reign and and christ and all this nature um sort of embodied in this perfect expression of the community of god which is you know coming to earth is being established mm -hmm. in in the world in that sense and so we, that's why we put no confidence in the flesh isn't it no mm. no confidence in kings and princes and nations and stuff yeah. because they just could never deliver this it has to be the thing that god yeah. himself does when in you know when christ renews all things you know the beginning and the end mm. so good extraordinary and so it, it kind of has this he says it's like it's radiance is like a most rare jewel and mm. it's kind of sparkly and Oh, it's got, yeah. And these f gates and the foundations and stuff. Mm. I mean, to me, it just seems a way that God is willing to identify himself even in the ultimate state of perfection that we're talking about. Yeah. He's willing to identify himself with very, very flawed human beings. Yeah. And that really excites me. The fact that Jesus is now called the son of David. Mm. The fact that he's happy to have the apostles' names on the foundation. Yeah, stones. the guys who deserted him, the guys who denied him, the guys yeah. who like had no idea what he was on about the whole and time. The... Do you still not know me, Philip, after all this time? <laughs> and what more ragtag and bobtail bunch could you be associated oh. with than the 12 patriarchs of Israel? Golly, a bunch of they were, monkeys they were naughty they, they were, sure were. <laughs> they didn't do it great at all yeah and but, and they were not they were not worthy of it in the strict sense but they became worthy for he is yeah. worthy wasn't it it's because our own yeah. nature becomes characterized with his that we become part of this and i think it to me pete it gives us this this understanding as well that in the ultimate fulfillment of god's promise where we are with him forever mm. Our human identity is not forgotten. Yeah. But yeah. that somehow he's redeemed. He's paid 
off our debt that we owe that makes us so lousy and yeah. always, you know, hmm. an imperfect picture. And he's still willing to have us associated and yeah. part of that incredible thing that he's doing. I tell you what, Paul, that was a, a great step change in my experience of faith as a younger guy because I had started to understand quite what the spirit was up to in my life. And the way I imagined it was like, I'm, I'm Pete, I'm sort of a body on display. And the spirit of God is sort of examining me and seeing what needs an upgrade. Yeah. And so, you know, my short temper, my duplicitous nature and stuff all get a good looking over. And mm -hmm. he's like, right, I'll take that bit out and replace it with Jesus's nature mm -hmm. and, and his beautiful integrity and truth and stuff. Bit by bit, sort of reassemble the the boy, the man, the, the mm -hmm. person on display. And I started thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be rid of, of duplicity and, and insincerity and all the other sort of faults I have yeah. but if the spirit changes me by sort of replacing parts of me to transform me into the nature of Jesus then what part of me could possibly not be upgraded by being replaced with part of Jesus yeah. nature I'm like there's going to be nothing of Pete Milner left nothing he's going to erase me from all of mm. reality and you know we're just going to replace me with an extra Jesus and that, that was a great source of grief for me because I thought, oh gosh, it's like the fate of the righteous and the wicked are the same. That God will destroy them all and blow them all mm -hmm. away and all that will be left will be him. And mm. it's like, the thing is that, that John shows us most clearly and the reason I was wrong about that is the great multitude that keeps singing his praises. He actually loves us. He really does love me. He really wants me there with him, celebrating, waving a flag and testifying to his work in me. And I'll still be me. On and he's that day. happy for you to be named and identifiably yeah. Pete, isn't he? That's I, right. I, I just it blows me away, Pete. Utterly. Oh, it's so important that we see that yeah. he actually loves he's us. He's not just getting a uniform mm. soup. Clone of... troopers. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't just want minions who are he blindly obedient. He wants us. Pete Milner. That's right. Who is not blindly obedient, but is fully sighted and obedient. Mm, yeah. And able to contribute. And... Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Verse 15. Mm. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 1,200 stadia. And my footnote tells me that that's about 1,380 miles. Wow. So that's quite big. It's massive. Um, his length and width and height are equal. Now we're confused because it's a cube. Yeah. According to that. So his length and width and heights are equal. It also... Sorry, he also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. Mm. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third ag agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, or mm. chrysoprase, I don't know how you say that. I don't know what that is when it's The eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, 
and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Wow. And right now I'm thinking, oh my, how do we possibly imagine this? This is John is clutching at things to compare it to isn't he's, he's he? He, lost he, he, all he's, superlatives isn't he he's, he's trying to tell you words. yeah he's <laughs> that reminds me of a joke where the rich man dies and and an angel says you can't bring any of your wealth with you and he goes oh i really have to just let me bring some and the angel says oh, i've had a word with the boss you can bring whatever you can fit in a briefcase and so the guy dies and before he dies he, he gets his affairs in order and he fills it full of pure gold and he thinks, all right, I'll take that to heaven and I'll finally have a record of my achievements in heaven. And, you know, he gets to the gates of heaven, knocks on the pearl and there's the angel. The angel says, oh, it's you again. So um, tell us, what did you bring? And the guy opens the briefcase proudly and shows him all the gold. And the angel goes, you brought paving slabs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. I don't know if you've heard this before, but um, there, there was a teaching out a little while ago. Um, somebody... Um, appears to have worked out that there's a particular physical quality for these particular kinds of precious stone. Okay. And the reason why some seemingly obvious ones, like I noticed rubies not there and, and diamonds aren't there, um, apparently there is a quality of light which you could call cross-polarised light. Wow. Which if you shine through these particular rocks, um, refracts the light or, or, or you know, whatever a prism does shows you like rainbow lightness that that sort of comes out of the out of that cross polarized light shining through these jewels whereas if you shine it through diamonds for instance you get only a sort of black um quality to the light so this person um i heard this first from a guy called david pawson some decades ago but um somebody appears to have, have sort of done the science on this and i've seen images and 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 sort of demonstrations of this thing which give me a reason to sort of think oh well that that would be remarkable because nobody knew what cross-polarized light was or how to make it when this text was written so perhaps it is an example of how kind of the heavenly knowledge about what physical qualities of things have we go way exceeds the author's own understanding of that stuff which i'm i'm happy enough on the face of it i mean if you're hearing this and you're like that's not true yeah. Tell us what. Tell us what the real answer is. What does Pete mean? Ha- like having a black quality to it? We'll oh, talk about well, that another day. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. I, I'm only going on what other people have said, but you know, it is. It is. I phenomenal. think you're right. This is superlatives. This is a, a preciousness and a treasure. We. But it, it's got that sort of. I think what what is consistent is it's got that kind of jewel like mm. quality, which means it's of incredible treasure, valuable. Yeah incredible value but it's also got that transparency mm. and like clarity visibility and yeah. yeah there's no dark shadowy places no. in this treasure no this is amazing there's nowhere to hide there's no need to hide there's nowhere to run there's no need to run unless you like running in which case run <laughs> you run as much as you want <laughs> um but i i love this thing i i just backing up where mm. it says um he carried me away yeah. in the spirit to a great high mountain. And to me, as I read that, I thought two images popped into my mind. One was that of Moses when the spirit of God takes him onto Mount Pisgah. And right. he looks out over the promised, promised land. land yeah. And God says, you know, in a bit of a 
Mufasa moment with the mm. Lion King, you know. All of this. All of this won't be yours, Moses. Yeah. This is going to be my people. They're going to go into this land, but you're not going to be the one leading they, them in. They're going without you. And that joy in Moses' heart that we I've seen the promised land, you know, I've mm. been to the mountaintop, I've seen the promised land. And now the bittersweet moment where God says, yeah. no, you're not going to do it though, son. You're not going to experience You've this You've done one. your job now. Mm. And so... This this vision rolled out in front of Moses that he doesn't personally lead into, but then also that thing that you referred to, I think, in our last session, where um, Satan takes mm. Jesus to up the high mountain and yeah. shows him all the kingdoms of the earth. Yeah, and he says, if "Dangles you just them, bow your knee before me, you can have them." But yeah. this this now, God God is doing that with John. He's lifting him up to a high place. Mm. In the spirit and showing him this this vision yeah. of the territory where God is actually going to do all the culmination of all those things. He's going to, it's the promised land, it's the place of eternal rest, it's mm. the place of the fulfillment of God's promises right back as early as they are made. Here they are and this is the the landscape of the promise and rest and it's so beautiful. Oh, wonderful. Can I just proffer something okay. that a teenager once offered to me as an idea? He said, Zechariah, 400 odd years before John writes this, 500 years maybe, before John writes this, he goes to heaven too. And he meets a guy with a measuring stick in mm -hmm. his hand, measuring the city. And he says, the, the one with him says, tell that young man with the measuring stick, that Jerusalem will be a city without walls yeah. and some other things besides. Yep. And this little guy said to me... Surrounded by fire. Yeah. Yeah. And this little guy said to me, do you think Zechariah somehow outside of time sees John 500 years in the future measuring away <laughs> and, and provides, this, wow. provides this word to him about the, the new Jerusalem, that it will not just only be with these great big cubic kind of walls, but that somehow there'll be a kind of renewal aspect of it where the walls themselves will find no usefulness and, and down they'll come. Mm. And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really amazing that it you could possibly... Amazing. Oh, yeah, what, what a, an idea. What a thought, yeah. So fun. Wow. <laughs> so, it, yeah, I mean, this is... This is a incredible... I think the, the this measuring rod thing is mm. a is a thing that comes it's been up in the book of Revelation already. Yeah. It's also something we Mark see it in out, you know, the old prophecies it. from the Old Testament. Yeah. Kind of identifying really well. Yes, this is a physical this is a physical reality. This is something that can be measured. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not just like heaven in your heart, heaven is a place on earth kind of stuff, is it? It's, no, 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 this is really, really yeah, there. It's it, a concession to the people who say, I believe in science. I believe what you can measure and touch and all this yeah, kind of thing. Well, here we so, go. This can be measured. <laughs> yeah, you've got a, a heavenly city the size of, what is that? Maybe Texas or something like that. Four times the size of France or something. Big, 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 big. And verse 22, he says, I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb. Mm. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. 
By its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. <laughs> so they'll never be shut then either? <laughs> yes. They will bring into it the glory and the honour of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, again, there is a, such a need for a hallelujah chorus there, Absolutely. Isn't there? But at the same time, there's reason for trepidation, isn't there? Because it's like, wow, those same qualities that can never be allowed in there. You know, you, you just can't bring sin into no. this place, can you? You can't bring what's corrupted and rotten and vile into the eternal place that yeah. they live forever. We've got to deal with that rottenness and vileness and sadness mm-hmm. and sin We've got to deal with it today and now, haven't we? Yeah. And not wait till we're dead, because it'll be far too late for that. Yeah, my granny was born in Queen Victoria's reign, mm. and she died when she was 92. But when she was approaching her 90s, or in her, you know, maybe around that mm. 90th, she used to sing an old hymn. And she had a little warbly voice, because mm. she was an old lady, and she used to sing, There is a city bright. Jesus Closed are its gates to sin Nought that defileth Nought that defileth Can ever enter in Mm. And my granny Bless her Was gripped by a heavenly vision Pete She, She lived for that She had lived her whole life Following Jesus and she was gripped at, in her early 90s by a sense that that was where she was going. She was going to be in that city bright, you know. And there's a, there's another verse that talks when it's about the rede- in the throng of the... Re- when in that throng of the redeemed I stand, you know. And it, she mm. had that sense that that was where she was from and where yeah. she was going to. That's my real identity, yeah. isn't it? My real self is seated on high in that place awesome. already. And one day it will be realised yeah. finally get there. But, I mean, just, just looking at this, I mean, there's a few things that stand out to me. One is that the Lord is the temple. So, for me, the obsession that some um, people seem to have about the third temple, mm. I, even if one is built, to me, it's a sideshow. Sure. It's not the thing. This is the... This, this is, is the, the real thing. temple. Yeah, this yeah. is the thing. And it's the Lord himself. He's the place of worship. He's the object of worship. Mm-hmm. And he's the, he's the light, you know, everything, you know, that... Everything that the temple could ever fulfill, he fulfills he is it. times he's 100, doesn't he? He's the lampstand. He's burning so brightly. He's the Shekinah glory. Yeah. He's everything. He's lighting up the whole city, this big city, however big it is. Mm. And then, but then... We've also got this sense that the nations are still in existence. And it says, by its light, the nations will, will, will the nations walk and the yeah. kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Now, we've mm. already heard in recent chapters about the kings of the earth having committed adultery with, with Babylon. Babylon. Yeah, yeah. But this is a very different type of king, isn't it? I think so. And this is a, a king who has surrendered his life or her, I guess a king, a queen, and, and whatever. Yeah, yeah, a monarch who has surrendered their life to 
Jesus and now the glory that he's given them yeah. they're contributing that back in yes. to this incredible economy yeah. so you've got this sense of the commerce of nations but mm. instead of it being some horrible futile worldly greedy grummy lustful depraved yeah. profit motivated this is something beautiful and, yes. and pure and where the diversity and kind of variety that mm. is in the nations which yes. we love so much that's right which are the is god's own actually, idea and it's his glory that that represents so mm. indian food in all its glory represents him in his glory in some way yeah yeah, yeah. and there'll be a sort of heavenly fulfillment of of each of the beautiful things that make those nations and people the way they are and this again goes back to that same thing, you know, my problem and why I feel like I'm being erased. You know, in heaven, everything that's that's truly me, you know, the, the sin is struck away and the consequences of sin are, are sort of boiled off. Mm. But what's left is really me in my weird little idiosyncratic English way, you know, and maybe my Indian friend will be there in, in his, um, you know, particular way and... Yeah. and when John sees this great multitude from every tribe and nation and language, it's like, how does he know they're from every tribe right. and nation and language? Well, I think it's because they look like they are. <laughs> I think it's they yeah. sound like they are. It's like, yeah. I think that we'll have flags of every colour and the singing of every voice and every language. Oh, I think so. Precisely to celebrate the Jesus who has bought every nation yeah. with his own blood and for his own glory. And like you said, that that wonderful transaction where it's like, the elders casting their crowns again. It's like, well, now that I've cast my crown before you again and fallen into a sobbing wreck on the floor and like <laughs> loved you so much, you know, he stands me back up and he puts the crown back on my head, sits me back on the throne. <laughs> and the very next thing he does, I just do it all over again and you know, bring all the glory back to him and throw it at his feet. And that's the kind of ceremony I could get used to. I think. Yeah. And in the sense that the king's, are contributing to that and you've got some wonderful passages in Isaiah that mm. I've preached about um where the nations bring their tribute to him and obviously yeah. we can see that in a in a now and not yet kind of way can't yeah, we for where sure. um you know the 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 things the principles are true mm. because they're kingdom principles that the glory that God's given us, we then bring that back into the house and we contribute to making it beautiful and yeah. glorious. And yet there is this ultimate fulfilment as well. Yeah. And I love that although it's got these gates that are like pearls, <laughs> it's just it doesn't seem swinging open, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. There's no there just don't see, doesn't seem to be a problem with what might get let in now encroachment of evil because it's not out there there's nothing left to let in is there apart yeah. from people who already want to be there yeah wow. i really think so but what the a celebration. access to that city once again he underlines is those who are written in the lamb's book of life and so there we clearly have it mm. identified as the book of life belongs to the lamb yeah it's his record of those who are his yeah and he knows what's in it but he doesn't let us on until the very end and I know that there are lots of people who live their life in great fear and doubt about whether or not they're truly saved. And mm. I think a measure of that is good and right in a way, because it's like, let's make it sure. Let's mm. make our calling sure. Let's press into God until we sure we're sure. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that's a really good thing. But at the same time, I think being able to trust him 
with the uncertainties of it all and the doubts and the, the kind of moments of, of lapse and those times where we kind of are faithless. He will remain faithful because he doesn't mm. disavow himself, says Paul to Timothy. And I think we should take great comfort from the Lamb's book of life yeah. and not fear because yeah. we, if we believe in him, if we trust in him, if we believe him and we confess him and we bring him into our lives, then he has promised us that he will by no means turn us away. And that is a promise that we can build the heavenly Jerusalem on, isn't it? That's a sure foundation. Awesome. And there's nobody more trustworthy with that book than Jesus. Totally. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your book. And we thank you that you are faithful and true. And that those who put their trust in you and surrender their hearts to you, mm. we know you add us to your book and you keep that and you safeguard it until this day and so lord we look to you bless us today mm -hmm. in jesus name amen amen